for three weeks called Cowboys, Culture, and Christianity. Cowboys, Culture, and Christianity. How would I define a cowboy? I, I define a cowboy as a hardworking, horse-loving, uh, you know, cattle-loving, honest, salt-of-the-earth person uh, who, who loves the Western culture. Um, honest, you know, tr true grit. I mean, just a person that loves that lifestyle. How would I define culture? How do we, how do we define culture in this series? Well, the culture is the sinful world that we live in. It's not necessarily just the Western culture or just, you know, this culture or that culture. It's the whole world, the sinful world that we live in. And then Christianity is, is the title that we call what we do as believers in Christ. Uh, we believe in Christ. We're part of a, a Christian church. And I know that uh, that's not popular in a lot of places, but we're proud to call ourselves Christians, believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, and again, that's, that's, not, that's not in here. <laughs> but we declare that, and, and, and our desire is to make Jesus famous. Not that he needs our help, because he's already famous. But we desire to make him more famous in our world and in our culture. So that's how we define Cowboys culture and Christianity. The goal of this series, and I want to reiterate this every time we meet, the goal of this series is this. To reveal biblical, biblical, biblical truths that every Christian, cowboy, cowgirl, individual, anywhere, should stand for in a sin-filled world. Why? So that the lost can be set free from sin. It's not just to, to show people that we're right. It's not just to stick our hand in the front of face and go, check this out. You know, talk to the hand. You ain't got it right. No, it's not to gloat over being, um, being or knowing the truth. It's about reaching them. And you say, well, how do we reach them? Well, we speak the truth in love, and then we live out the truth with authentic, authentic faith and by setting the example for the world. That's how we do it. Um, and so in this series, we've been comparing what the culture says on certain issues and what the truth of God's word says about those issues. Because the culture is not our authority, right? The word of God is. And even as Christians, I think we can get confused about that because the culture says one thing and it's acceptable. Therefore, we go with it rather than going, okay, what's this said? Because this is our authority as Christians. And so that's where we start, and that's where we finish, with the Word of God. Uh, we've covered uh, topics like homosexuality. If you, did, if you weren't here and you didn't get to hear that message, it's actually online. You can go to our, our website, thousandhillsracechurch.com, and you can download all the notes. It's actually not on audio. The, the rest of the sermons, most of the other sermons are on audio, but this one didn't make it, um, and last week's didn't make it on the audio. But you can download all the notes, and you can catch up uh, with all those topics. We, we talked about homosexuality. We talked about the Sabbath last week, and, and how, are we supposed to work on the Sunday, or are we supposed to work on Saturday, and, and I know um, that, that was a, a tough topic, but, and we're going to continue to talk, tackle some tough topics, tackle some tough topics, try to say that, but here's the deal, we're going to talk about a woman's role, we're going to talk about a man's role, we're going to talk about pornography, we're going to talk about sex, we're going to talk about um, greed, we're going to talk about all these things that the world says, go for it. But the Bible says otherwise, right? And again, we're not here to say, man, we got it all together because none of us have it all together. 
But we're not afraid to speak the truth in love. Um, I have some show and tell today. Actually, I think I forgot it out here. I know what you're thinking. Is it alive? It's not alive, okay? Don't be scared. <laughs> now, now, easy now. Easy. Easy. Very nasty. Oh, easy. <laughs> Does anybody know what that is? Okay, let's be honest. How many of you guys have really ever ate a cow tongue? Anybody ate a cow tongue? Oh, you gross individuals. Okay, I know my dad tried to get me to eat one of these back in the day because that's all we had probably, but I don't think I did it. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why I got a spank in that day because I wouldn't eat it. That is the nastiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Anybody see that? Can you see that? I mean, that's the longest thing. I mean, that's how those things get up in their nose, you know, and they pick their boogers out. I mean, seriously. I mean, and, and, and really, if you're hungry today, this is yours. Who will be glad to give this thing away, okay? I mean, really, and if you want to know where we got it, so you can go get one for yourself, raise, raise meat market, okay? So support raise, buy yourself a cow tongue, okay? Now, I don't know if you guys got to see this over here. Did you get to see it? Can you see it from up there? I mean, that's that's large right there, and that's nasty. I mean, look at those. Look at those. What do you call those? Huh? Taste buds. That's right. You want this? Okay. Does it taste like roast beef? I don't want to know. Chicken. Well, that 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 may be nasty, and it, and it is nasty because it's it's uh, you know a nasty cow tongue. But here's the truth. The truth is, our tongues can be just as nasty. And you're like, Dadgummit, Martha, why did you bring me on the Sunday where he's going to talk about my tongue? <laughs> Listen, I intentionally did not reveal my topic because I didn't want anybody bringing anybody to church just because of the topic, right? And I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, say, you need to come. Here's the deal. The truth is, we all struggle with our tongues. And we're going to talk about that today. So, cowboys, the tongue, and Christianity. In our cowboy culture, listen, our cowboy culture is full of two, two types of cowboys. you got the cowboy who can't keep his mouth shut. And really, that's not very um, light in the cowboy culture, is it? I mean, I mean, I like cowboys that are honest, but a, lot, a talky cowboy just isn't the most popular guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if it's one thing for you then to tell you you stink at something and you need to get out of the corral, and I appreciate that because I appreciate honesty, but it's another, and, and I love the cowboy that doesn't have much to say, but when he says something, you listen, right? I know a lot of those. I know a lot of great cowboys that are like that, and I, and I like that about the cowboy culture and about most of the cowboys. Well, here's the deal. We live in a culture that doesn't care about what our mouths say. That doesn't care about morals, that doesn't care about values, that doesn't care about truth. The world says, embrace it all you want. The culture says, say whatever you want. The more you cuss, the more you yell, the more you degrade someone else's name, the more people 
watch and the more people pay to listen. Am I not right? I mean, <laughs> can I list all the TV shows that have the rankest amount of stuff on them? And guess what? They're the most popular. And guess what? I'm attracted to that just like you are. When there's a, when there's a <laughs> on TV, guess what I do when I'm eating? <laughs> you know? I mean, you think, well, he's the pastor. He shouldn't struggle with listening to vulgar stuff. Are you kidding me? We all struggle with it. And so don't think that I'm just picking on some individual in here. We all struggle with it. And listen, can I just make this clear today? I am talking to the Christians in the house today. The Christians in the board today, not the lost. Listen, if you are unchurched, we are glad that you are here. If you've never given your life to Christ, we are so glad that you're here. Thousand Hills Ranch Church exists to reach the unchurched Western culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can be set free from sin. Amen. That's what we're here for. So listen, yeah. But listen, that I'm church. If you're here today and you don't like church, you don't like me, you don't like anything about the Bible, you are burnt by the church. Listen to this. You're going to enjoy today because I'm picking on the Christians. Today, you're going to get to hear me preach a message that calls the church to a higher standard. Not in an attempt to dog anyone, but to equip those who call themselves Christians to start living according to God's standards and not the culture's. The truth is that a lot of us Christians have said the culture is my standard, and whatever the culture accepts is what I accept. Whatever the culture gives into, I can give into. And if you're here today and you're on church or you don't know Christ, listen, um, I hate to burst, burst your bubble, but, but here's the truth. If you're here waiting to find the perfect person or someone who has never failed, you are out of luck. Because we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of God. None of us are perfect. That's why we look to Jesus, because he was the perfect, most perfect being in the face of the earth. And he walked on this earth, by the way. He didn't just sit on the throne and go, Woo-hoo, look at those people. Struggling with those temptations. No. He put flesh on and he walked this earth so that he could be tempted by everything that we're tempted by, but yet he was perfect. So if you looked at him, if you're looking at me, you're going to see a failure. If you look at your neighbor, you're going to see a failure. But if you look to Christ, you will find someone who is perfect. And that's who we look to. And so don't come in here saying, you know, I'm looking at all these Christians. I see that person. They don't talk like it. They don't, they don't, they don't. Stop looking at us. We're not the ones who uh, can handle all this. Jesus is the one who can handle all this. But we are to strive to live like Jesus. Right? Look at James, chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Look at it. It's going to be on the screen. And James is talking to believers here. He's talking to Christians, and he exposes their compromise. Listen to it. It says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man, can I just point out, no man? I, you know what that's saying? I can't. No man can, but God can. 
But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. This should not be. Now, here's a question, and this is going to be our main question for today. Are you ready for this? Are you listening? This is the question that we all have to ask ourselves. If the world were to judge us by the words that we use or the things that we say, what would they know about us? Ouch. I mean, think about it. If the world was to judge you by what you say and the words that you use, what would they know about you? Would they say, listen to this, would they say that you're an encouraging and uplifting person, or would they say that you're a crabby and you're always dogging someone? Would they say that you were honest and trustworthy, or would they, just, would they say that you're dishonest and you're full of crap? Would they say that you know that they know that you love your wife or your husband, or would they wonder if there's any love in your marriage by the way that you talk to your wife or your husband? Would they know that you love your kids and you praise them for all the good that they do, or would all they know is the stupid things that your children choose to do? Teenagers. Would they know that you have good parents that love you, or would they think that your parents are a bunch of jerks because all you say is bad stuff about your parents? Would they know that you love Jesus with all your heart, or would they be surprised to find out that you're a Christian? That's tough. Some tough questions. And you say, again, well, I mean, you're just picking on the cussers. No, I'm not just picking on the cussers. <laughs> I'm not just picking on those that use foul language, although the authority of the Word of God says in Colossians 3.8, but now, as Christians, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That's the authority of the Word of God. That's the authority of the word of God. You say, well, what's filthy language? Again, you know what filthy language is. Do I need to define it? I mean, again, the world says that's not so bad, but what does the Bible say? And what does the Holy Spirit say in your heart and in your mind? So I'm not just talking about the cussers. I'm not just talking about the potty mouse. What about a man's word? What about, what about your word? Today, it's unheard of for a person to keep, its, keep his word. Honesty is not value. It's almost made fun of. I don't know if you ever watch TV or if you ever listen to shows, but the honest people, guess what? They get attacked and get made fun of more than the liars. In some cases, the people who lie the most receive the most praise. But the Bible says, and it's our authority, again, Matthew 5, 37, listen to this. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And so what about your word? Would your friends say that you're honest? Or would they say that you're full of crap? What about, what about a disrespectful kid? I mean, what about a kid that can't control, can't control his mouth? Um, what about that? I mean, it, to, 
the culture says to our teens today, don't let anyone tell you what to do, not even your parents. That's what the culture says. I mean, my kids, they got into a, a, a tiff yesterday, and uh, my, my, my daughter, Madeline, she, was, uh, she, was, she wouldn't let my, my son, Hank, have the toothpaste. Right? I mean, that's really something to fight over. <laughs> so here comes my son, and my, my son, he starts calling my daughter, Madeline, names. And I don't remember, Matt, do you remember what he called? Where's my wife? My wife right here? What, what, what did she call, what did he call her? Huh? Hello? I think he called her stinky pants. And you say, well, that's stinking funny. And it was kind of funny. I'll admit it. But here's what I'm trying to teach my kids. I want them to respect their sister. I want them to respect their brother. And, and I want them to love them. You know, we went through this whole deal. I made my daughter and my son hug. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, but that's like trying to kill them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I made them hug. I made my son apologize and ask for Madeline's forgiveness. You know why I'm doing that? Because my son's three, and when he gets to be 30, I don't want him disrespecting my daughter. Right? And here's the deal. If you bring your kid to our church, and your kid's a potty mouth little jerk, listen, we're going to love them, but we're going to expect something out of them. We're going to expect manners. And if your kid is, is being a little jerk, we're not, we're gonna, again, we're going to love them. And they're welcome here because those are the kids that we're actually trying to reach. Amen? Amen. So we're not going to you know, shove them out and say, you little jerk, stop asking like that. But we will raise the standard for them. And we will expect them to use manners. And so you say, well, what about that? I mean, are you just talking about the cussers? No, I'm not. I'm talking about honesty. I'm talking about the disrespectful kid. I mean, Exodus 20, 12 says, honor your father and your mother so that, it may, may, that, so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. Teenagers, you need to respect your parents. I know that's not popular. I know that you're, all your other buddies are doing it. But again, the culture is not your standard. And if I see you disrespecting your parents, it's all, I'll tell you the truth, it's all I can do to contain my mouth. And that's where my tongue maybe gets me into trouble. Because I want to I beat the snot out of you. I don't know if that's, you know, a good Christian thing to say. And, and forgive me. I've never held back the truth, have I? And I'm not here saying that I'm going to beat anybody up, especially a little kid, but if they're 18, I might take a swing. <laughs> because I can't stand it. You know why I can't stand it? Because it's the sin that I struggled with when I was a kid. My biggest problem was disrespecting my mother. You say, ah, oh, no, you're just a goody-two-shoes. You're just one of those preachers you know, that did everything right. No, I didn't. I was a disrespectful jerk. And it needs to stop. And I'm going to do everything that I can to teach my kids not to do that. What about the gossip? <laughs> what about the haters? Uh, what about the joy suckers that suck the joy out of you because all they do is gripe? 
I mean, it, it, it's just, it just, the culture says if it's true, go ahead, tell everybody. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 19? A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a man who talks too much. That's what it says. You know what? I, I've dealt with a lot of gossips. I mean, being in the church, it's, it's kind of prevalent. For some reason, they're attracted to the church, gossips are. I don't know what it is. But, but can I just be honest with you again? We're at the point in our church that if you're a Christian, now listen, and again, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm not talking to lost people. If you're a Christian and you want to gossip, there's the door. I don't have any use for you as a Christian because if you want to gossip and tear down everybody that you meet and share a bunch of crap about everybody, listen, we, we practice church discipline at this church. And if you're, if you're destroying the unity of our church, we will intervene in love with restoration in mind. But if that doesn't happen, then we're not afraid to say there's the door. It's to protect the church, and, 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 and that's what we're here to do. And so here's the deal. Let me dismantle something real quick. That Again, I know what you're thinking. Okay, well, Bo's just judging me. Bo's just judging us. No, I'm not. I, and I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about you got to be perfect. That's, that's, that's not right either. When we go from one extreme where anything goes to the extreme of nothing goes, and if you mess up, you're condemned to hell. No. That's not what I'm talking about. I struggle with sin just like you. I fall short all the time. I understand that some of you, listen to this, some of you grew up with a foul-mouthed dad, and it's just a part of you because you heard it every day. I understand that. I understand that some of you go to work and you hear things that are out of your control. I understand that. I understand that some of you grew up with a verbally abusive mother and you struggle with abusing your husband and your kids verbally. I understand that. I understand that your good Christian, and this is not about my mom, but I understand that your good Christian mom may have been the biggest gossip in your little town and she disguised it as a prayer group. You say it's not true, but it is. I understand how hard it is to say something encouraging when there's nothing to be encouraged about. I understand that. I understand that something that you may struggle with, whether it's cussing, whether it's being honest, whether it's you know respecting your parents, whatever it is, I understand that something you may struggle with isn't going to change overnight. And listen to this. I am just aware, just as aware, how offensive that it can be to hear the truth because I'm just as offended by the authoritative word of God. Because why? Because it exposes my sin. The word of God is the perfect word of God. I'm just a flawed preacher. I'm not the authority here. The word of God is the authority here. But listen to this. And I know some of you guys are going, okay, so that is me. That's why I struggle. My dad was a jerk. He cussed all the time. My mom, she verbally abused my, my dad. That's why I struggle. Listen, if you're a Christian in here, then again, this is for the Christian. It still doesn't mean that we have an excuse to sin. You say, well, that happened to me. That's my past. That's what I struggle with. That's what I grew up with. It still doesn't give you an excuse to sin. 
because of maybe what happened to you or the way that you grew up or how hard it is. For the Christian, there is no excuse. To wallow in our, in our failure and to allow it to keep us from moving on and becoming a godlier person is giving the devil the victory. So for you to say, oh, that's just my past. That's just what I grew up with. I mean, that's what I hear every day. Listen, I understand that. I mean, when I go to these, these cat dragons or I go to these ranches, I hear the F word about 900 times. And I understand that it can get into your mind and that it can come out of your mouth. I understand that. But here's the truth behind that. That's why you need to be filling your mind with the truth of his word. You say, how do I combat that? How do I, how do I replace those bad thoughts? How do I replace all that stuff that my mom said to me when she verbally abused me? You replace it with the truth. Teenagers, how do I replace everything that I hear on the football field or on the basketball court or in the locker room? You fill it with the word of truth. How else do I change? Here's how you change. Take the blame. Take the blame. Stop passing the buck onto someone else. Oh, that's my dad. Oh, no. Stop doing that. Take the blame. I was in <laughs> I was in the best pro shop on Saturday or Friday. Was it Friday or Saturday? Friday, and I was looking for a pair of sunglasses. I found some Jimmy Houston sunglasses. You know what I'm saying? Do you like Jimmy Houston? Jimmy Houston's a great fishing guy, and he's a great fisherman, too. But I found some Jimmy Houston sunglasses, and guess what happened when I was trying to fit them out when I hadn't bought them yet? They broke. <laughs> so I'm standing in the store at the, the sunglass counter with a broken pair of sunglasses, and the temptation was to put them back on the shelf. But because, because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and He convicts me when I do stupid stuff, like break sunglasses trying to bend them, I gave them to the guy on the counter, and I said, these, I just broke these. And she said, that's okay. And, and, and she didn't make me pay for them. She just said, that will take care of them. Listen, I could have stuck them back on the shelf. And again, I'm not, I'm not praising me. Don't go, don't go there. Don't say those are, you know, a pompous little, you know, whatever. Don't say that. All I'm saying is I'm tempted just like you, and I took the blame. It was my fault. And I turned it in. Because I want to glorify God and I want to be an example for all of you. And I want to be an example to my kids who are sitting back there. <laughs> who I didn't tell what I did. <laughs> so take the blame. Instead of saying, well, she provoked me. That's why I lashed out at her. Or she said this. Or I couldn't help myself. Or, you know, they got what they deserved. I gave it to them. Listen, it's time to stop that as a Christian. It may be true that they were provoking you, but here's what I've learned. I can't control them, but I can control me. And, and can I just say that wrong? I can't even control me, but through Christ, He can control me. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have a way to say no to all temptation if we are willing and controlled by God. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. 
And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He provides a way out. So for you to say, I didn't have a way out, I couldn't back down. No, you have a way. I have a way. He says it. He gives us a way. Another great example of of a biblical example of this is David. Remember David? Remember Bathsheba? Then she's bathing in the creek, and David's, you know, at home instead of being at war because he was the leader, and he stayed home because he was a pansy. And he's on top of his roof, and he looks at Bathsheba, and he lusts after her, and he says, Get Bathsheba. Get her. I want to have sex with her. I want to sleep with her. And he sleeps with her, commits adultery, because she was married, and her husband was on the front lines fighting the war that David should have been on the front lines fighting. So David brings home her husband and has him killed, put on the front lines, and he's killed. So what is he? David's an adulterer and a murderer. Right? Now listen to this. David is an adulterer and a murderer, but listen to what he says. Hey, he takes the blame. He takes the blame. Listen, Psalm 51, 4. Against you and you alone have I, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. You know, he's talking to God. He's saying, God, you're right. You're right to judge me. I was wrong. I take the blame. And he took the blame. And so it's okay to take the blame. I control me. Christ in me controls me. That's how we find control. Number two is this, and this is it. It all starts with your heart. It all starts with your heart. To fix what you uh, what you say wrong, you don't start by stop. Or, or let me just say this this way: to fix cussing, to fix talking bad, to fix all that stuff, you don't try harder. You give up. You don't say, "I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that." No, you give up. You allow God to change your heart, and then He'll change your mouth. You have to allow God to change you on the inside so that he can change you on the outside. Matthew 12, 34, the second part of it, it says this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know what that's saying? What's in your heart is who you truly are. And, and, and here's the truth. It's not about what you say at church. It's about what you say out there. That's who you really are. It's not how you talk to me, the preacher. Oh, I'm uh, just good to see you today, Pastor Bo. And, you know, and it's, I, and it's not about that. It's about what you say out there. Or here's the other truth about it. It's what you say after somebody leaves your presence. When they're being a jerk and you're like, oh, it's okay. And then you walk away and go, that guy's a jerk. That's what it's about. That's what's in your heart. And that's what needs to change. It's all about your heart. What, what, what's really in it, what's really controlling it. Jesus reminds us of this. Listen, that what we say reveals what's in our heart. What we say reveals who we really are. The heart is the key to right speech. We don't clean up our speech to change our hearts. We change our heart to clean up our speech. And, yet, and let me just make it personal again so that you know not, I'm not a goody tissues. You know when I fail... When, 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 I, um, when I have selfishness in my heart, it comes out of my mouth. 
A lot of times, and here's the reason why I have selfishness in my heart. Because I haven't filled my heart with the truth of God's word. The times when I struggle the most are the times when I haven't read the word or prayed to God. Anybody with me? I mean, it's just the truth. When I leave this out of my life and I don't spend time in the Word, or I don't, I don't, you know, listen to a, you know, another preacher preach online or whatever, and I don't fill my mind and I don't pray and I don't give my heart to God and allow Christ to control my heart, that's when I fail. So some of you guys are failing all the time because you don't fill your heart with this, and so take the blame and then. Allow God to change your heart from the inside out. Look at Psalm 141, uh, verses 3 and 4. Set a guard over my mouth. This is David speaking, by the way. Oh, Lord, keep watch over the doors of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in the wicked deeds. In Psalm 19, 14, listen to this. Maybe if you struggle with words, this is the scripture you need to memorize. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rocker, my rock and my redeemer. Maybe that needs to be your prayer. And you say, okay, well, you're talking to Christians today, and that's about enough, that's about as much as I can take, okay? Ready? Let's switch gears. What do we do? And, and here's the truth again. At Thousand Hills, we're trying to reach the unchurched people. So guess what we have to um, deal with? We have to deal with potty mouths. We have to deal with people that don't have control over their mouths. And, and, and you say, well, what, what do we do? Well, can I just use myself in it as an example again? As a pastor, I think a lot of you guys, and, and it, may be, it may be justified, think that I can't handle uh, a good uh, dirty joke. And here's how you guys take it. You introduce me to your friends as the preacher. <laughs> I've never been there. Uh, hey, uh, Joe, this is my preacher, Bo. And the reason that you do that, and I know why, because you don't want your friends cussing or telling them a dirty joke in front of the preacher. <laughs> I mean, can I get a witness? You guys, uh, okay. Now, here's the deal, and, and I appreciate that at certain points, but here's the truth. I've grown up in churches all my life. I've hung around with a lot of fake people, and I just assume not hanging around with a bunch of fake people outside the church. Does that make sense? Let me help you. Let me help explain that. When, when they find out I'm the preacher, guess what they do? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I mean, I'm a deacon, <laughs> you know, at the church that I go to. And, and, and I didn't mean to really say that. I mean, and they start backing up, and they start becoming fake. And again, I, maybe it's just me, but here's where God changed my heart. You ready for this? Here's where God changed my heart. It used to be that because I was the preacher, I felt like I had to walk away from that. I can't be by, I can't be by them. I mean, they're cussing at the storm. What do people think? Guess what I do now? I run to them. Oh, you're the cussing jerk? You're the biggest loudmouth of them all? I, I want to be your friend. Oh, you're the, the person that drank you know, 40 beers last night? I want to be your friend. Instead of running from them, guess what? God wants us to run to them. And you say, bro, that's just for you. And maybe it is. Maybe some of you guys aren't able to handle that. Some of you teenagers, you don't need to be going to the parties just so that you can be a witness. You hear what I'm saying? It's not for you. Just because I can doesn't mean you can. And just because you can doesn't mean I can. Listen, you've got to discern in your own heart, what can I handle? And then infiltrate, engage, seek, and pursue the lost. 
That's what it's about. And so listen, if you struggle with loving unchurched people, listen, I hope that you will pray about that. And I hope that you will realize that that is your mission field. That's your mission field. So here's the other question. By your words, what will they know about you? Bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around, nobody's going to point you out or make, <clears throat> make a scene or anything. But here's the deal. You say, well, I don't know how to handle those people. As a Christian, I don't know what to do or what to say. Listen, it goes back just to what it goes back with every Christian and everybody else. It all goes back to their heart. When they have a potty mouth or when they start downgrading their wife or when they start you know, calling somebody else a jerk or start gossiping, listen, don't worry about the symptoms. Focus on their hearts. Typically, listen, when stuff like that's going on, typically they have a hellhole at home. They have a, a, a life that, that, that none of us would want. They have a, a, a bad home life where their marriage is in shambles, where their kids are making stupid decisions. And the only way that they know how to respond to that is to downgrade everybody. And so listen. As a Christian, next time, maybe you need to just show a little mercy. Show a little grace. Because here's the truth. For the culture or for the world to be reached, we must live and speak in a way that honors God. And we must look past the symptoms and go to the heart. Because here's the fact. Transformed hearts lead to transformed lives. And I know what some of you guys are thinking as well. You're thinking, Bo, you just want me to be this wussified, sissy guy who can't ever get angry, can't ever speak an old word, can't ever tell the truth in love. That's not what I'm saying. Speak the truth in love, but honor God with your speech. And so here's the question that you need to ask. Are my words pleasing in God's ears? Is the Lord in control of my speech? Do I need to repent of some sin that I've committed with my mouth? Do I need to forgive and ask for forgiveness of someone that I wronged with my mouth? I hope that you will do whatever it takes to live a life that honors God. So that the world can be reached for His glory. Lord, we thank You. And we praise You that Your Word of God shows us where we all fail. And Lord, today, as we've heard a sermon or a message that we all need to hear, not just the cussers in the house, but that we all need to hear. We all need to examine our own hearts. But may, may you fill our heart with truth and love 
and joy so that our mouths will speak truth and love and joy. And Lord, if there's someone that we've wronged with our words, may you give us the strength to go to them and say, I need to, I need to ask you to forgive me because I've, I've wronged you and I've sinned against you with my mouth. And we take the blame. Maybe it's the, the co-workers, Lord, that we need to go to and we need to say, you know what? You know, I'm a Christian and I just want to apologize because I've not acted the way that I should as a Christian. Lord, help us to live a life, to be an example, to be authentic, real people that love a real God and that shows a real world how they can have real hope. And by the way that we talk, and by the way that we live. And we give you all the glory. In the name of our prayer. Amen. Thank you so much.